0: Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight.
1: Welcome back to Food for Thought, everyone. Thanks for listening. I wrote an op-ed some time ago and used portions of it as one of my monologues to open the show last year. Here's a clip from back in October. Can we talk? After all, Food for Thought is the show with the objective to change the conversation about food insecurity. So let's converse. Let's set the tone, establish the boundaries for the conversation, and the guidelines about how we will and should talk. Let's keep our conversation straightforward, simple, and strategic. Let's talk about solutions more than we talk about the challenges. And let's be problem solvers, not just problem spotters. Let's listen so our conversation can build on each other's contributions rather than having a melee of shouting interruptions that cause injury rather than results. Let's understand that we are the solution. There's no one else that is coming. It's on us to solve hunger in our state by creating food security. I sometimes wonder who hears the show or reads my opt-eds and it turns out, two important influencers, corporate leaders, with their feet on the ground, listened. Carl Binarski is a farmer from Genesee County who serves as the president of Michigan Farm Bureau's family of companies. Carl understands agriculture. He understands its needs, and he can articulate the business of and the economy of agriculture better than just about anyone I've ever met. He recently helped host my friend, Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue, for his first trip to Michigan. Carl is leading some unique innovations to come alongside of Food Bank Council of Michigan and our network as we strive to create food security across the state. Jerry Brisson and I will be back with Carl in just a moment. You come back and be with us, too.
0: Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmish.org.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson in the WJR studio. Jerry, how are you?
2: Great. You know what? I have so many blessings and so many things to be thankful for, including being here in the studio with you today, my friend.
1: Well, it's great because you are blessed today because we have our friend and uh, our colleague, Carl Banarski, who is the president of Michigan Farm Bureau, the family of companies. And uh, Carl, welcome to Food for Thought here on WJR
3: well phil it's it's great to be uh to be available to be on your on your show here to uh to talk about an issue that's uh pertinent to everyone in this state
1: well that's true and we appreciate so much as as our relationship and friendship and has grown through the years um we you and I end up at some of the same uh same events. And, you know, I always think, I wonder if Carl's going to be there. And then I walk <laughs> in the room and I'll see you by the coffee pot. And, <laughs> and, uh, and we were just together at a, um, a table event with, uh, with at MSU food. And that was a great event. And, uh, it's, it's just amazing to me. To see the quality of leaders like yourself who are drawn to this issue and see its importance uh of food security creating food security and its importance as well as its impact and what it would mean to our our state and our children and our economy that once we can get this thing really solved across the state
3: well phil uh that that goes both ways it's uh You're doing a tremendous job in bringing this uh, to light, to shedding more light on this. This is an issue that affects us all. And uh, when we take a look at who we are as a company, Michigan Farm Bureau, also having Farm Bureau Insurance, part of that, we represent agricultural producers. But these individuals are families. They are living in this state. They are living in this country we need to do a better job in understanding how we can utilize the products we're producing mm-hmm. and getting them to the people that are in need. Uh, it, it's a it's some it's an issue that sometimes we like to perhaps look over. But the thing is though we all realize that it's happening mm-hmm. not only in urban areas, it's happening in rural areas.
2: Right. You know, we just had um Uh, One of our recent shows, uh, we, we touched on the issue of just asparagus, just one crop in the state of Michigan where over a million pounds was not harvested because there wasn't enough labor to harvest it. You know, and so it's it's when you say we have to do a better job of getting the products we grow to the people that need it. It starts farther into the or deeper into the food chain than you might think, because you know the labor the labor that farmers need is a really important part of this.
3: Well, that is interesting because it does bring a very key part of this whole issue. When you take a look at what the produce farmers are producing, and the labor is becoming such an issue that uh, that some of the crops are being altered. They're growing a different crop. That doesn't take as much labor. The labor is being a very crucial part of this. And you just take a look in, in, uh, at some of the numbers. You mentioned asparagus uh, and the, the numbers involved in that. But you just take a look at uh, approximately, I think there's, they say, around 20 billion pounds of fruit and vegetables, the stuff that's readily available to eat. Are discarded or left in the fields every year because uh, of uh, usually not of labor or uh, or uh, but not being a a certain criteria of uh, size or color to uh, to put on a on a on a shelf.
2: Yeah, so that's a marketing issue, right? That's an issue of we don't want to buy that stuff, so it stays in the field.
3: Well, it's interesting, Jerry. I uh, recently was at a uh, a fruit. Uh, packaging facility and a comment the individual said they did a lot of apples here and he said uh, red is a flavor and to to relate that he says uh, we have apples that are red and we have apples that are not red but the red ones demand a much higher price at the marketplace and the greener ones will go to another uh, facility but he said they taste identical But red is a flavor in people's eyes.
2: You know, when we talk about why we think uh, food security hunger can be solved, one of the things we say about it is that you just have to break down issue by issue what you have to do to get more food. And this is a really good example of, look, that apple tastes just as good. All you have to do is know it. Try it, and all of a sudden you've got a better market for it. There's more food in the food pipeline, and more people get served. I mean, it really is, in some ways, in this particular instance, just a matter of knowing.
3: Absolutely, and uh, there is one uh, one food company out there that is uh, recognizing that and is uh, addressing it to a point. You take a look at Myers. Myers is based in Michigan, over in Grand Rapids, but they are now uh, beginning to sell their imperfect produce you know and I believe it's called their misfits is what they're doing right so they're making that available at a uh, at a greatly reduced cost to those individuals that can still have that healthy safe food but at a reduced cost that may be uh, more acceptable to them but uh, it's a start but we still have a long ways to go in addressing uh, those issues
1: well, Carl, we want you to hang on with us. we got to take a break here, and uh, but come back with us on the other side of that break. We've got more questions for you. He's Carl Bonarski. This is Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we'll be back in just a moment. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Welcome back. Thanks for listening, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight, Jerry Brisson, and our guest, Carl Bonarski, the president of Michigan Farm Bureau's family of companies. And uh, really, Carl, I would have to say that you guys are absolutely the voice for agriculture in the state of Michigan.
3: Well, uh, I appreciate those comments. And, uh, and that's it. We do carry a, a lot of clout with our agricultural producers. And uh we look out for uh, the issues that are affecting them, and uh, some of those issues uh, are not necessarily dried, uh, tied directly with agriculture, but mm-hmm. uh, we have a lot of, uh, of concerns in the state on, on a number of issues.
1: Well, I, I know that you recently, uh, and I said in my opening monologue for the show, that that you were uh, able to help host a, a, a mutual friend of ours, which is uh, Secretary Sonny, and that would be... Uh, the Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, who was just uh, here in Michigan last week, and uh, I was happy to see that uh, you guys were able to host him and and uh, and and have a special event. And I'm sure, um, with Sonny's background as a veterinarian, he he touches on a lot of these issues that we're concerned about. And one of the things I love about Sonny is that over in his office, um, there in Washington D.C., he has a a painting, and it, it's a painting of a red barn. And then, uh, unlike a lot of paintings, it has writing on it. And what the writing says is, uh, "Do right and feed everybody." And uh, when I was with him in his office, I said, uh, "I said, Mr. Sonny, if if you can do that, that will be a tremendous legacy." And I know that's a concern that 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 we have certainly at the Food Bank Council and our network of seven food banks. But I also know that that's a great concern for the family of Farm Bureau, the companies. But I also know that that's a has a, a place in your heart as well. And, uh, I, I, you know, we're just so excited to have um, people of your quality and character and leadership ability that believes in this mission so much.
3: Well, thank you, Phil. You're absolutely right, Uh you hear us talk many times about the family of companies that we have here, and the uh, the uh, the uh, I guess the morale or the uh, the type of uh, dedication that our employees have. It is something special we have here. We have the insurance company, we have the agricultural side. They work together extremely well. Hmm. But then we we take a look at what we're doing. We take a look at agriculture. We take a look at food. Mm-hmm. And we realize we 're holding a lot of people 's livelihoods in our hands. You know we need to have that safe, affordable food to all people mm-hmm. and that 's where sometimes we struggle we We are trying to find ways to get into the local areas to get those individuals uh, uh, recognized of the needs they have uh, example uh you know, I, I i'm uh, from Tuscola county mm-hmm. i I go back on the weekends and uh, we have a farm up there and uh, it's it's a rural uh, county up in the thumb area right we have fifty four thousand people residents in that county but we have seventeen agencies providing food resources and also in two thousand sixteen they distributed <laughs> three hundred and fifty thousand pounds of food and it just uh, people don't think that wow. that type of community, that type of county, would have those needs. But then also we take a look at it, Phil, and, and think, okay, what, what are our success stories? Yes, we have a long ways to go, but we do have some great things being done out there that no one really recognizes that well. Uh, I, I'm, if you don't mind, I'd just like to list a couple of them no, that, please. Uh, that are interesting uh one we up in that uh, that same county of Tuscola in that thumb area we have a, a sugar company up there Michigan sugar company It's owned by approximately eleven 1, hundred uh, farmers it's a cooperative and uh in October they donated uh almost four ton of sugar to forty three local food banks in that bay thumb area uh just those type of things were wow. do good for uh for the individuals, and, and don't look for the, the pat on the back. Mm-hmm. In uh, the American Farm Bureau, we have, uh, uh, it's called a Young Farmer and Ranchers Program, and it operates a Harvest for All Program. And in 2016, uh, they combined with, along with Michigan Farmers and that, donated 29 million pounds of food and spent, which I think is probably more important than that, they spent 9,000 hours volunteering in these local events and also on top of that donating over a million dollars to local food banks and we have a similar program in michigan that does the exact same thing so there's a lot of things going on out there but we can do so much more
2: I'll tell you what. Some of some of our best friends at Gleaners here are people who are involved in in Michigan Farm Bureau, uh, and and I'm just going to mention a couple. Kathy and Frank Genovese are two of the nicest, most dedicated, most passionate people you will ever meet. Now they have a Christmas tree farm, uh-huh. but they are involved in. Anything that they can be involved with to get more food to their hungry neighbors, they have led so many efforts over the years that they've been involved in their local community in their North Oakland County. You know, it. You don't think about Oakland County being rural, but the northern part of Oakland County is very rural, and they they have been tremendous advocates for this work. uh, In in again, I think of of that
1: being rural because I live there.
2: Actually, I live in Genesee County, but it's right next door to Holly, where you're talking about. So, I mean, I I, I have personally experienced what you're talking about in terms of volunteerism and people that don't want anything except to see that people in need get what they need. And it really is beautiful. You remember we had
1: uh, on the show a few months ago the gentleman from down south of you here that led the tractor pull. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that? They yeah. put together a tractor pool and raised thousands of dollars. And that was under this umbrella of that Carl's referring to as a harvest for all. Powerful, powerful in just individuals. And that's what I get blown away by all the time is the corporate top leaders of this state like Carl. And then here's a guy that organizes a tractor pool. To get, make sure that his
2: hungry neighbors have enough food and then like the folks that you're talking about. Yeah. And we, we've said many times on this show uh, how feeding somebody demonstrates both respect and value. And there's hardly anything that demonstrates your respect or value for another person more than when you give them something to eat. And we do this in our own homes. when When we have a guest come we say, can I get you anything, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost immediately when people arrive, is there anything I can get you? Can I, here's, here's something, right? And so this is just an extension of those values that we know in our hearts matter so much.
3: Well, that's absolutely correct, Jerry, that you bring that up. And, and sometimes I think uh, in our corporate structure nowadays, we sometimes uh, uh, overlook some of these opportunities to help those people in need uh it's it's uh it may not be a uh fiscal uh positive situation but sometimes that doesn't matter it's more of the opportunity for these individuals to do the right thing and do uh what we're supposed to do and that is to take care of each other and when people are in need we need to help out those individuals in, in whatever way we can and and uh you know, we're not looking at uh, individuals that are are going to be on this a uh, long term. We're looking at individuals that are, you know, just down under luck and and need a little little helping hand. And I think uh, a lot more companies can uh, can chime in and and put a little bit of resources to this, or even just put a little bit of. Uh, of uh, of labor of employees. Give them the opportunity to help out where necessary.
2: You know, uh, Carl, 47% of the people we serve uh, at Gleaners are employed. 47%. Uh, they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing to be out there making it for themselves. But the wages and uh, some other issues sometimes in their life, whether it's a health concern or a, or a family member that needs help, uh, drives them to needing help. And so many people aren't just stuck. They're actually getting out of needing help. But then something happens and they need a little help for a little while and then they balance out again. And, you know, we see this more and more and more. So what you've just said absolutely reflects our experience at food banks, that people want to help themselves. They're doing a lot to help themselves. And a, and a little bit of help really isn't just a help out. It's a help up.
1: Well, let me take a break here, guys. I want to bring Carl. If you can stay with us, we'd like to keep you for a, a third segment, if that's good with you. No, I'd love to. That's, Great.
3: That's absolutely fantastic.
1: We, we've got a few more things we want to run by you and get your take on. He's Jerry Brisson. This is Carl Bonarski. He's the president of Michigan Foreign Bureau Family of Companies, and I think a group of companies with a conscience, the way Carl has described it here today. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. This is Food for Thought, and you're listening to WJR.
0: You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight, brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. You're back. It's WJR, and this is Food for Thought. Jerry Brisson is in the studio with me, Dr. Phil Knight, and Carl Benarski. Our partner and friend is president of Michigan Farm Bureau Family of Companies. And Carl, you really see this from two vantage points, and I think this is so unique. One, you see it as a as a CEO leader of this family of companies, this issue of food security and agriculture and all the issues that go with it, but you also see it from the ground level because you and your family have a history of of farming, and you're still farming. Isn't that correct? Absolutely. We
3: we still have a farm that uh, the boys take care of uh, back in Tuscola County, and you're absolutely right. And uh, yeah if i could for a minute phil i'd just like to put the the farmer's hat on here right now that'd be awesome so and uh what what a farmer does yes he he raises his commodity he raises the, the food that that feeds the the hungry but one thing that uh probably makes a farmer i guess more uh I guess you say, mad or disgruntled or or upset than anything if he has to leave a crop in the field. Hmm. Okay, now there are weather issues in that where sometimes that happens. But if we have to leave a crop in the field, it doesn't matter if it's it's a, a high dollar crop or a low dollar crop, we know that someone can use that. And it just really irks us when there's Things out of our control that we can't get that crop harvested. Uh, for instance, I think we touched on that a little bit earlier. Labor. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these crops just cannot be mechanically harvested. They need to be need to be hand hand harvested. And the labor and some of the regulations that just tie our hands that we have to watch a crop rot. In other words, in the field, it's it, it's it's. Uh, it really bothers producers that they took care of that crop all the way to when it matured to to produce that fruit, and there it lays. And it it doesn't re- money is an issue there, but it, a lot of it revolves around let's just get it to to where it needs to go. I mean, it, it it's a it's a very it's a very tough thing when farmers have to leave something in the field that. They do not want to do that.
2: You know, one of the things I can add to that conversation, as someone who is a consumer of those products, right, I my food bank gets food from farms in, in our state a lot of different ways. And, and farmers are always willing to... Uh, to do whatever they can to get us that food at the lowest possible cost so for some products you are talking about as little as two or three cents a pound you're, you're not talking about enormous amounts of money to get this product out of the field. And even when you talk about this issue of labor, and, you know, obviously the, late, the more a field has been picked over, the more expensive it is per bushel, right? There's no question at some point it, it does become a little bit hard to go out and get all the food just because there's not that much left per acre. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But, but often the the there it's not just it's, sometimes it's the marketplace sometimes it's uh the the cycle of when people are available to do the picking all those sorts of things come into play and the cost to actually solve the problem is not that significant but you can't just throw that on the back of the farmer so that's why legislation is so important. That's why the Michigan agricultural surplus system is so important to bring the few cents a pound needed to really take care of this and get that food out of the field and into somebody's belly who needs it.
3: Absolutely, Jerry. It uh, it's something we need to work on. We need uh, there is a solution, and uh, we just need to uh, to utilize that solution and make that happen. But. One more thing, though, that we can really look at to, uh, to help with this issue is not only the, the, the waste or the loss in the, in the farmer's uh, view, but, you know, I challenge uh, the listeners here this morning, take a look at uh, what happens to your food in a restaurant when you're done eating. How much food gets wasted? How much food is, is sitting back there prepped? that never really makes it to your your dinner table. There is a tremendous amount of waste, I feel, that we need to take a look at throughout the whole system in our society.
2: Yeah, that's an excellent point. We know that post-consumer waste is one of the biggest areas of waste and what ends up in the landfills, right? And so there's a lot of environmental as well as hunger issues to be concerned with when you start looking at post consumer waste. It's a big deal. It's you know, a big deal. It's an
1: issue at my house. I mean over 40% of the food that we waste in our in our country today is out of is out of our refrigerators. Because, you know, like for example, don't go shopping when you're hungry. Right. (laughs) You know, because you're going to overbuy and underuse. And I'm, Christy and I, we were really bad about it. And, you know, and here I am leading the food bank council and I I really felt guilty about it and rightfully so. And we have made a conscious effort over the last few years to, to rather, we would rather underbuy, we'd like to get it right, you know, but we would rather underbuy and use everything than overbuy and throw food away. It's just not, we just morally did not feel right about it. It's a good place to be, I think. Well, and that's it. You, you said uh,
3: some very key words there, Phil. A good place to be. So many people in this country don't have that option hmm. to say that. Where, uh, yes, they, they were just, they don't care where it comes from, how it's produced. They're looking for a good, healthy uh, meal. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame that... We cannot provide that to those individuals.
2: You know, and where we see that coming together, taking those points and and connecting them uh, uh, with feet on the ground, a lot of the people we serve don't want to buy produce in the store. And part of the reason is because it goes to waste right if you if if something happens and your your kids are delayed at school or the meal you thought you were going to make you end up not making if that's a non-perishable meal right then you know it's not going to go to waste and so, but and yet, that food that's healthiest for people is food that is perishable and that could go to waste. And so, and of course, as a farmer, you know this better than anyone. Um, so one of the one of the key things that we do in in connecting all these issues is we get that food and we turn it quickly. Um, we we make sure that any perishable food that we get is turned in one day and I know this is what food banks are doing all over our state to make sure that the people we serve get the food as fresh as possible so that it doesn't go to waste and you take that concept from the from the ground all the way to people's homes and pay attention to it every step of the way and you're right there are literally millions of pounds of food in our state alone that could be put to better use.
3: Well, and when you say that, Jerry, you just take a look back at the numbers that you're using, the amount of food that you are providing, the difference that you guys are making. It's tremendous. What? How many more people would we have in an insecure uh, food situation if it wasn't for the people like you and the programs we do have in the state? So, you know, we can't beat up too bad on... On uh, on what we're not doing because you guys are doing a tremendous job but but, uh, like I said earlier uh, we can all do more
1: yeah and that's what we're going to do and we're going to do it together and Carl I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking all this time to be with us here on Food for Thought because uh, you've given us and our listeners a lot to think about and uh, from the ground up and from the from the viewpoint, from the leader of so many uh, Michigan Farm Bureau family of companies, but also right from the ground as a farmer. And I'm telling you, I don't think we've ever had a guest to had this unique of a perspective.
3: Well, thank you, Phil and Jerry, too. Uh, you guys do a great job.
1: Jerry and I will be right back to wrap up this edition of Food for Thought in just a moment.
0: It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan.
1: Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome back to Food for Thought. Jerry Bersan, that was Carl Benarski, the president over all the family of companies with Farm Bureau. Uh, and, you know, I really don't think we've had anybody on the show with that depth and breadth of perspective about
2: the issues that face uh, agriculture all the way down to creating food security you know there's nothing like talking to a farmer there's nothing like it and part of the reason is because they know so much about what actually is happening but the other part of it is the genuineness of you know just a a down-to-earth person who says look it ain't right to see this go on. Let's fix it, right? And yeah. I mean, it's it's such a, a beautiful thing to hear and to see and to be part of. And I think it inspires all of us in this work. And it's probably a part of all of us, too, that we all kind of come from that same place. This isn't that hard to figure out. You have people that need the food. You have food here. Let's get the food from here to the people that need it. It's a simple concept.
1: Yeah, so the logistics challenges of doing that, um, you know, be, but he, Carl, really, I think, was concerned, is concerned, and and talked very eloquently about food waste, and how much is left in the field, and then all the way from the from the field to the restaurant and everything in between, right? And I know that that here in Southeast Michigan, you as the CEO and president of Gleaners. Works very closely hand in hand with the CEO at Forgotten Harvest, Kirk Mays, in uh, in this kind of a joint effort here. And you know, Forgotten Harvest is kind of like the food rescue organization, not only for our network, but you know, I understand is number one or number two in the entire nation in the amount of food that they're able to rescue.
2: Yeah, and have been leading the charge both in terms of actual distribution and in terms of ingenuity and innovation. I mean, uh, you know, Carl talked about restaurants, which is how Forgotten Harvest got started years and years ago, dealing with that problem and continues to do some of that. But also he talked about farms, which Forgotten Harvest has a farm. And part of the reason they have the farm is to learn how to make every acre count and how to drive the most innovative and value from all of the things that can be grown. And I know Kirk has done a great job turning that farm into a profit-making, not profit necessarily from a, just a financial standpoint, but the cost to grow and distribute food versus right. getting it from other ways and making it make sense. So uh, so we got to take our hats off to Kirk and how he's helped us all learn more about how to make the most of well, from farm to fork, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the other thing that Carl talked about, and maybe not so much on the show, but I've heard him do this, is he's a farmer, and yet he is the you know the president of the family of companies, which is Michigan Farm Bureau, and that includes Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and everything else that's all involved in that. I mean, we've had Scott Pigott from Michigan Farm Bureau on the show to talk about how they started the company to help with the labor issues. And it's more than I can ever understand. And here Carl sits atop of that. A couple of things that are really unique about this family of companies. One is both those entities, Michigan Farm Bureau and Farm Bureau Insurance, share the same board of directors. Uh, The difference is on Michigan Farm Bureau, they have two young farmers on there. And Carl is the president of that board and here he is a farmer and all the board of directors for this organization are farmers. And um and I just think that's a really unique perspective that Carl can sit atop these family of companies, but yet he grew up and still has a farm. As he says, the boys are still Work in the farm, yeah, you know, and-, and so he understands it both with shiny shoes and and then mud on his boots as well.
2: Yeah, and it makes a huge difference, uh, and I think it makes a uh, a difference as we take the issues that we know can make a difference to the legislature, mm-hmm. and and we say, look, with a few policy changes and with the you know the the mud on our boots and our shiny shoes all put together, we can really solve food insecurity. And, and, um, you know, a little bit of help goes a long, long way when it comes to how much food is still out in the field that can get to people who need it.
1: Well, and I, you know, I think that um, we all want to be proud of the state we live in. And one of the reasons we can be proud of living in Michigan is because the state of Michigan has come alongside of us in helping us rescue this food. Uh, the the Michigan Agricultural Surplus uh, Program, uh, we call it affectionately MASS, mm-hmm. um, that we're able to buy farmers seconds with a grant from the state of Michigan, and also the investment they made with us in the IQF project, the individually quick frozen foods. So I, I do want to, I, I think that's you know, we need to feel good about that partnership, and they need to feel good about their investment in us and the return on that investment as well. And more
2: would matter. So oh. uh, we're going to put that little pitch out there, too, <laughs> that, you know, we we know there's still food available. Uh, we heard from Carl just from uh, the thumb alone. What he knows is out there. Let's go get that.
1: Absolutely. Well, Jerry, it's time for a little food for thought. So who listens anymore? A common complaint in most relationships is, You're not listening to me, which could mean literally you're not listening to me or could mean you're not understanding me. Listening is an art. Being present in the conversation you are in is a lost art. However, few things other than listening and maybe perhaps food communicates value to a person better. When you have a radio show, especially one as important as this one, you often ask yourself, who is listening? We get statistics from WJR and the Nielsen ratings to try and figure out who is listening. The truth is, we never know when or who. We get snapshots of who, when, and even how people listen. But this we know, if you are listening to us, And understanding our message about food security, we are humbled and honored. Listening is a skill and one that takes commitment. And one that I really have never understood because we're all born with two listening devices and only one noisemaker. Carl Bonarski and the Michigan Farm Bureau listened. They heard felt the need, and understood how important and practical food security is to every facet of our life, community, and state. They heard, listened, and they got it. They began to come alongside of us and figure out what their role was to play in the blueprint to solve hunger in Michigan. They are amazing partners to, both, to us both personally and professionally. Are you listening? Have you gotten it yet? Reach out to us at foodsecuremichigan.org. But whatever you do, keep listening. Until next week and every week, remember, it's food first, folks. Food first.
0: Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state.